It's the Mansion Podcast with Krill Dog and Andy. Hey, what's up, and welcome to the Mitchin. Uh, full disclosure: we are not in the Mitchin right now. We are at a restaurant in uh, the northern beaches of Sydney. It's called Pillu. It's one of the best restaurants in Sydney, and it's one that my co-host Mitch Orr cooked at for some time in his life. My name is Andrew Levins. Every week we uh, talk about Sydney food, and we talk to the people that cook that food, drink that food, write about that food, serve that food. Today, Mitch, who have we got with us? Uh, seeing as we're at Pillu. It would make sense that we don't have Giovanni on, so Giovanni's not here, no. <laughs> we have Giovanni Pillu, and we also have head chef and owner of Piccolo Espresso. Green tea, please, bro. Green tea. What are you doing with green tea? Yeah, espresso, espresso. Two espressos, one piccolo, one green tea. And one more green tea. And one more green tea. Thank you so much. Grazie. Thank you. Grazie. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to put a coffee order in. Uh, so yeah. we also have owner of Ormeggio. Ali, do you own anything else at the moment? Via Alta? Ormeggio Via Alta Kiosco. The one of Willoughby. Oh, Kiosco. The, yeah. yeah. Via Alta. Yeah. So uh, that's yeah. Alessandro Pavoni. So we, uh, we made the trek across the bridge this morning. In to talk about Thai food. To talk about Thai food <laughs> in peak hour traffic. And uh, we were told very specifically to be here at 9.30am by Giovanni. We were all late and Giovanni was later than all of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Alessandro is always early, which really pisses me off. Because you're always late. Yeah, no, I'm not always late. I'm on time. But He's this always time, late. Nah. <laughs> uh, so Pillu is still kind of like my my spiritual home in a way. Um, I haven't worked here for maybe eight eight years or something, mm. but I still always feel like family. Is it? It's been eight years. Yeah, at least I think. Oh my god! I was, I was pretty young and annoying when I worked here. Yeah. Now I'm still annoying, but a little bit older. Were you still in year twelve when you were here <laughs> or something? <laughs> I probably looked year like eleven. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Pillu is like my my spiritual home in a way. So I always like coming back over here and. If we had have tried to get Gio to come back across the bridge, he would have been four hours late rather than half an hour late. So Yeah. <laughs> I come back there before. <laughs> you, you guys just got back from a trip to Italy? Yeah. Yes. You, yeah. It was like a food tour or something that you yes, were hosting? it was a gourmet tour. So we take uh, Australians to different parts of Italy yeah. to enjoy the food and wines. And uh, basically the idea is uh, we go to the real seafood meat and vegetable markets of the area this year we were in venice right so we go to the rialto markets with the with the boats we select produce unbelievable produce of the lagoon seafood whatever they have fresh we know the fishermen and stuff and then we go back with the 10 people and we slave them to cook with us <laughs> <laughs> but the, no, the thing is they enjoy cooking and they yeah. come to cooking class with us so it's an ongoing cooking class on a daily basis. And is it, organi- is it organized by Sue from Akutrama? Yeah, Correct. Sue organizes the people. And then the idea is that we do, you know, we design the itinerary. So we may do one or two days that we go out of like Venice in this case. Yeah. So we went to Verona one day, which was very nice. And we visited Ferron, Rizzeria Ferron, the yeah. rice guys. And that was really great and then went back to Verona had dinner but the highlight was I think you know like Ale said going shopping at the Rialto markets it was out of control like we yeah. went you know we did 
Branzino one night, which is like a sea bus. Yeah. And they got all the Branzinos on the display. And we went to this guy. Because then eventually, because we stayed in a residential area, so we knew then the fruit and veggie guys, the baker by right. name, the butcher, the yeah, this, yeah. that. So then they tell you where to go and buy stuff. You know, if you go to Rialto, tell them I'm sending you. So we managed to find this guy, Paolo. And then uh, we say to him, look, we're looking for a Branzino to do in the oven tonight. And they got all the Branzinos lined up. And they're like, you know, 15 euro a kilo. And then we say to him, we want to get a proper one that we want to do in the oven for all of us. And they gave us this incredible line caught fish. And it was just amazing. You know, we cooked that off that night. And we picked, you know, the cherry tomatoes from Sicily and all the other ingredients to go with that, the um, olives and all that. And it was really, really, you know, what people love doing because Venice is nice, but it's so touristy that I think staying at home and cooking at home was, you know, so one of the better. highlights of the yeah, tour. Yeah, it was better, you know. Giovanni talked about going to see the rice guys. That was, that was your That's segue. That's the thing, that yeah. Was your so segue if, we're on, if we're on the rice, so we've got a, the guys in Australia, they want to know about risotto. So we want to, we want to hear from the masters. Because so apparently we always talk shit on risotto on the mission. Yeah, which I think is fair. Like, I think yeah, it's you guys fair because you don't know how to cook it. Thank yeah. you. So on that, Alex, but I mean, is there more than just cooking risotto? Is is I think what I learned obviously over the years with Alessandro that you know risotto, it's a bit like pasta that it's not all about the technique and the cooking and the sauce and the ingredient. It's a lot, I think, about the rice and maybe yeah. Alessandro can tell you about that. Where you know. It's always come down to the product, right? We know, every chef know best product, best results. But that's not enough with risotto. There is a very strict process that you have to follow to obtain great results. And uh, there is no shortcuts. The problem yeah. is in kitchen, risotto is a, a type of technique that requires between 15 and 20 minutes to be ready. And you need to do a minute. So chefs all over the world try to create shortcuts what they mean mean um, pre-cooking and stuff like that which uh, ruin the rice grain and the results is hopeless so and then so you really have to have a feel what when you pre-cook what what do you lose what you could pre-cook but you have to do it in the right way okay and it's not that easy yes yeah, so there is a few tips that you need to know when you make risotto you know the first step of First is the rice, okay? Forget about arborio, everyone, please. Arborio is a rice which is not even a true rice anymore. The real arborio, it disappear. It's all hybrid of arborio now in the world, and it's the crappiest rice you can get. Really? There is 400 different rice in the northern Italy to do risotto, and the two absolutely best are Vialone Nano from the area of Verona or East Lombardy, and from Piemont or West Lombardy, you got Carnaroli. That's the best two rice. Canarobi is a super fine rice. Vialone Nano is a semi-fine. Then doesn't make any difference in meaning that it's not that the super fine is better than the semi-fine. It's just a typology of your rice. They both come, they both come from the Nipponic rice. So, you know, in the world there's about, what, 6,000 different species of rice? Thousands. But they all come from two main one is Nipponic, one is uh, in the Indian, basically, indigenous, right? So the Indian one is, you know, all the Parboa, Basmati, all the Asian rice. And um, Japonic is all the Spanish, Italian, all those Which rice. Which come you know. from the Japanese side of it. 
Yeah. From, but yeah. the Japanese. Actually, they come from China, but the Japanese was the first to give a name. Yeah. So the more short grain style of rice. Short, yeah. grain. short grain. And, and especially starchy, which is what I learned, you know, that to give, I think, the right consistency and the flavor to the risotto, which is, uh, you know, often, you know, uh, given by, you know, the sauce or the prawns or the stock that, you know, everyone concentrates on. To have a complete risotto dish, now you have to have a great rice grain because the starch is what that completes the dish and makes it creamy. It makes it, you know, it gives it the glossy finished consistency. That's yeah. why you need a grain that has been aged, the starch has been stabilized, and then the cooking method mm-hmm. comes into it. So all these steps that you have to follow to make a great risotto. Yeah. But I think what I learned and I didn't know about it was, I think, the quality of the rice grain that makes 50% of the dish. Yeah. Which I reckon you can talk, uh, you know, the same would be for pasta. With pasta, and you know, you make pasta, Mitch. Mm. How important it is to have a good flour, flour. good yeah. eggs, you know, the I right think, procedures. And yeah, all I, th- that. I think that's where people go wrong a lot of time, and we probably didn't touch about it last time we spoke. That people think because it's rice, it's cheap, and it doesn't matter. But like Alessandro said, if you start with the yeah. best quality products, you can end up with the best result. Yeah. But if you start with a shit cheap product you're never going to end up with a good result <coughs> but Mitch from this guy here we learned a technique I was blown away I changed my style to do risotto after 26 years I'm cooking uh, from your last yeah. trip from now I do, do it in a different way I give you the recipe yeah. and it's idiot proof <laughs> you do your sofrito if you want whatever or you do a little butter oil whatever you want you toast your rice properly if you add wine, either red or white, make sure that it's boiling or hot. Yeah. Because you don't want a cold wine to go and split all the grains. Reduce, add the stock, two parts of stock or one part of rice. So every, you know, by volume. So yeah. every ladle of uh, rice, you do two ladles two of stock. Put a lid on, cook for, you need to find how long your rice cook for. We know that this this Verona Nano that we use in Ormeggio, the Carnaroli, they need 14 and 18 minutes. Leave it with the lid on. Yeah. What happens is this: you don't need additional stock because the steam produce the extra it keep stock. going in, and all the stuff that you say they have to mix because it's thick or because you need to release the starches or bullshit. Cook it for 14 minutes if it's violon and anon. Take it out when it's ready. Basically, it should be absorbed completely. Just check and add if you need a little bit. Rest it for one minute. Add your fat content. It could be extra virgin olive oil, cheese, butter. I usually finish with butter. Give it a good uh, whisk. So the temperature will be lower because you rest it for one minute. So you won't split the fat. Yeah. That's why... We say to rest it because you need. It's like meat; you have to rest a little bit, relaxed, and then you beat it. You know, you manteki. Mantecare yeah. is a is a verb that we use, which come from manteca, which in Latin mean butter. And uh, and then you create the emulsion, whatever style you want. We like a londa, which is a flat on the plate, but you can do the the Piedmontese people. They like a more harder, but Rizzo. doesn't matter. Yeah. This technique is a. Idiot-proof. This, this is revolutionary to hear Alessandro talk about a, a no-stirring no stirring risotto. I never yeah. stir. I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked. That's, this yeah. that's I amazing. always teach in the cooking class, and I learned when I was a young chef. 
you, you have to imagine in a kitchen, you know, we make risotto alla minute. Okay, table of four, two risotto, one spaghetti, one gnocchetti. Next table, another three risotto. So you have two, three, four uh, pot of risotto on. You think I'm going to be there stirring them? Meanwhile, Which I'm, one doing is, yeah. I'm doing the yeah. pass, I'm doing the spaghetti, I'm doing, yeah. the, you know. You learn basically what happened when you add the hot stock. A, a layer of gas formed between the rice and the bottom of the pan. All right? And if you let oxygen go through, the air go through, the oxidation will happen. And that, literally, that part where you scrape off, that will stick. I tried with big pots of pot for 100 plus people to make the one line through, and that line will burn. It's amazing. I tried this when I was younger because my mom always made me to mix the bloody risotto <laughs> when she was doing other things. And then when I went in a professional kitchen, they teach me that it's not necessary, and I still give her the shit about it. So you add all your liquid, you let it simmer, and then 14 minutes later, you, you, you just finish it off. So, because... Try this. Yeah, because it's good. You, That's ama- thank, that was amazing. When you thank mangiato you. at the end... Yeah, you release this. Then the starch releases. No, no, no. The starch, it's in half the, bo- the simmering. They say that you have to move it. Blumenthal did a research on the result. If you see his program, he's a very clever chef. Yeah. He tried all this and he proved that the, the boiling of the, of the stock with the rice, it's enough to let the stars come out of the rice. So it's all... You don't, so you don't to need to knock it around. No. To and then at, at the end, the whisking process is to emulsify the fat. That it's not starch. to release more stuff. No, yeah. So now that there's very little work involved, Michi, you'll be, you'll be making risotto all the time. The risotto is back, back on the menu. you got to see how long your rice needs to be cooked. Yeah. But that's the technique. But it's roughly always about 14 minutes. Yeah. Roughly but is to a do double. that, you need to use an, a very high-quality yeah, rice as well. Yeah. 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 I don't expect you to use any... Ferron, Aquarello, all those good brands. Where, where, where can the people at home get the, the good rice that if they don't have the suppliers like you guys? Who, who carries? Who stocks the I best rice? There's a lot of places now that you can get good, good rice for making risotto. Like they, they, you know, even the supermarkets have got Carnaroli and Yellone Nano. But if, you, if you go at the, at the supermarket or you know, a daily in, a, in your area, at least look for the type of rice. It has to be Carnaroli or Vialone Nano. Don't go and buy Arborio or even the Roma type of rice. is a bit weird. Harris Farm stock quite a few now. Harris Farms? Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. So and then, you know, it's not cheap. The good yeah, one is not cheap. But you get a lot out of it, so it's yeah. still yeah. good value. I mean, when you say yeah. it's not cheap, you're not paying $50 a packet. Yeah. You know, you may, instead of 350 you may pay... Six fifty. No, you, you can pay up to yeah, you know, three or four times the normal price. Yeah, but it's worth it. But it's still, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. It's Interesting. Right, you know? I'm gonna have to try it. That's, I'm, that's I'm not great. Sold. Thank you so much. That, yeah. That's for our little apprentice piece out in the west of Sydney. <laughs> yes. So that is risotto. Do it. But I think another thing about risotto, the, the last thing maybe, but what I find that also is that the least ingredients you put, the better, because you really, I really want to taste that rice. <laughs> One second. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. No, t- yeah, t- this is an habit of Australian people like they did with pizza to put yeah. meatloaf pizza Sorry, and all the stuff. Grazie. <laughs> <laughs>
I, lo- I love it when we do a, a episodes in an actual restaurant because it's, I don't know, it's so, so much more vibrant. I mean, I, I know it's just a vacuum cleaner. But you get different like, language, vacuum cleaners going. <laughs> it's good. All, it's the, good. all Pilo- the staff hate us because we're the, fucking up their setup. That's it. Pilo- Pilo <laughs> Alex just, is shooting me death rays over it. there. They just picked up a walk-in 20 that's coming in an hour. So the staff <laughs> yeah. are all on edge now. The kitchen's angry. So it's great yeah. to see. Talking about staff, Ali. No. We've sort of spoken about it before. <laughs> Alex, you maybe doesn't want point. to use, point, but... The lack of chefs and stuff in the industry at the moment and the lack of maybe work ethic that young guys have these days. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe that the, we can't find chefs, not even in front of us. I don't know if it's because we are on the other side of the bridge, but like... Um, no, it's definitely a problem that every single guest yeah. that runs a kitchen yeah. has, has to complain I don't about. Know, in Italy, everyone complained that they don't have work. Right, and then they come here. They work for a week and they they run away. <laughs> they expect to come in Australia, you know, open a kiosk on the beach under a palm tree and become millionaires. Yeah, Giovanni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giovanni's done exactly that. They didn't take you know one year to do that, no. or one month. It yeah. takes years and years of. I think this is a real years big problem for our future. Our future yeah. in the kitchen the lack of chefs yeah. and the fact that the chefs these days they finish the school automatically they think they are sous chef two years they want to be head chef and then they'll go through you know the years of commerce years of uh, chef de partie everyone want to have their own restaurant their own kitchen straight away and uh, and it's becoming just a tragedy I don't know how long we can, can do this does, does it surprise you that the chefs want to move up as quickly as they do now because they seem to be getting paid better that like you know yeah, a few you years ago if you were a chef to party yeah. you didn't make any money yeah. now chef to parties do really well yeah 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 but yeah. you know that's what happened when uh, if you work here today they don't pay you tomorrow I can work there they pay me better yeah. you know maybe someone offered me even more that yeah. you know There's in, so many in, jobs in a hundred meter in, in, in on 10 kilometer square you can find 50 jobs yeah mm. I think the problem has been that there has been so many openings in Sydney in the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, they created obviously shortage of chefs because everyone needs chefs. But also the biggest problem, I think, from, you know, for training chefs, it's the TAFE, it's cutting back so much at the point that now, you know, in Bookville now, there is only three or four teachers left. There is only two courses running where there used to be seven or eight. So there is no apprentices. There is no upcoming chefs, young chefs. And now they join in these you know, private colleges. They pay $15,000 and they do a full-time course like for three years. And as soon as they finish that, because they paid all this money and they've done these three years, you know, almost like a high, a university instead of a, like a, you know, a train, a tail thing. They come out and go, well, I'm a chef now. I want all this money, I want to travel, I go overseas, I want this, I want that. And then that's creating shortage from that end as well. Because TAFE, it's freaking, it's crucial. To close TAFE, it's ridiculous. For me, I don't even understand where they're coming from. I spoke to someone at uh, NARA TAFE because we do all, some stuff with them. Yep. Um, over the years, you know, we've been doing uh, dinners for you know um, to raise money for scholarships for the for the country chefs to come up to Sydney and do work experience. So Dai called me, and uh, she's one of the um, you know the the managers there, and she said, look, 
um, you know, she's going to meetings after meetings, you know, with government and with this and with that to find out what is going on because it's crazy. The teachers are losing their jobs. There is no young, you know, young guys after they finish the HSC applying to, you know, to want to become chefs. Right. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, but, you know, the feedback was that um, the government's feedback is that, um, you know, there is no need for TAFE because, you know, that's that what that's what the industry is demanding. And I said, What do you mean? Who is the industry? Have they even asked chefs like, you know, Matt Moran, Neil Perry, Peter Gilmore, all these guys that they got, you know, they obviously have more experience, more restaurants, what the feedback is for TAFE? Because I can guarantee that those guys are saying we don't need apprentices anymore. Yeah. You know? It's crap. They I don't know what they're doing or who is driving this, but it's out of control, you know? Because places like didn't you say that are the yeah. casino. My casino is looking for 84 chefs from yeah. City. They have a net for 80 board. chefs. Yeah. Star. For Barangaroo or for Star? No, for Star. Yeah. Star. And that's not even yet. And that's, that's before Barangaroo, which is going to need 200. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know. All the other expansions. That's well, around where we are, like, it's harder to get to us because obviously, if you live in the city, you got to come across the speed and you got to drive. You have to, you have, to have a car. So you, that gives us, you know, we're a little bit penalized by that because we're not. In the middle of the city, but now you know, like when the new, new Params gets renovated by Maryvale, yeah. they'll take seven, seventy or eighty chefs mm. to run their place. Yeah. What are they going to come from? Yeah, exactly. Like it's crazy, you know. All, all I this. think that's a good point, saying that you know, kids are going to these private colleges and stuff now, where they're in school for three years. Yeah. So that's a and not, and not not experienced in the kitchen. Yeah. And whereas then, when you go to TAFE, you go to TAFE one day a week, and yeah. you're in the kitchen four days a week. So you Correct. still have a workforce. So that's taking away a big chunk of work. That's what's missing well. the workforce. That you know, when I did TAFE, that was it, and I loved it, man. I loved it because you go to TAFE to learn the techniques, to do you know communications, to do all the kind of stuff that you need then eventually to be a chef. But then you spend five days in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Which is the real world. So you're not. You know, when you come out of college then, you're prepared and yeah. you're not, oh, shit. I've got to multitask there's a now. Wor- there's I'm a worldwide problem. Yeah, In 100%. Italy, I spoke with a few people and they're all having this problem more and more. Australia particularly bad. Mm. If, yeah. if, the, if the best thing about TAFE was that you would spend most of the week in the kitchen, is there a way to cut out? The middle, like the middleman that is TAFE and, and for restaurants to independently organize for, you know, to take on younger people and kind of do a course at a restaurant or, or is that just a nightmare? But there was, there was also the, the, the idea to have um, the young chefs coming here and do the training in the kitchen and then, you know, they get approved and then they get qualified. But you... You, you don't imagine, have time to do a no, theory Imagine here, you go, you're doing a service with 100 mm. covers on a Saturday night. Would you have time to sit and go to a 17-year-old this is how you pick up your knife. This is how you sharpen your... Because you start from, from course, scratch. This is how you dice your vegetables. Because that's what TAFE does. You start from this bottom. Gives you the very from basics. The, the basics. And then slowly you, you bring it up. Within the three and a half years, you know, you're then ready. How, when have we got time to do that? You know, the support you know? that the restaurant gives is the, to employ the people. Even if it's a half of the week employee paid. Mm. The other half going to school. Yeah. You know, part-time work. And you and learn, you learn automatically when you're yeah. in the thick of it as well. Yeah. You like learn the, you know, if you've never done any, like, I'd never picked up a knife, aside from food tech and hospitality in high school mm. before I went to TAFE, and then you go to TAFE and you learn the the proper French way, 
in a way. Yeah. But then as my career's grown and I've worked for different guys, you learn more on the job. But without those little basic things that you don't have time to things, spend showing somebody. Things that you need, you know, things like even the terminology in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. You need to learn what is Brunois, what is Julienne, what is a Chinois. Like a lot of these young kids have got no idea. I, I, need, I need to do this course just so I know what they are when people bring them up on the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think too, like TAFE is meant to give them a broader, a rounded out training. So you can spend three years working with Alessandro or Giovanni yeah. and, and specify in an Italian cuisine. Yeah. But while you're at TAFE, you might do some Thai cookery, you might do you some do Chinese. And then you and, can choose what you, you want to do. choose when yeah, you leave. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. and so the kitchen as a, a training ground is meant to just to make you a chef you know but sometimes you can be in a very specialized mm. kitchen which is fantastic i think yeah. it is yeah. but the tape's meant to give you the broadest yeah. broadest section the, the good thing of tape in australia if you go to hotelier school in italy i did five years of you know hotelier school um, you only learn italian food there is not nothing else yes. which you know thinking about it italy have 20 different regions 20 different cuisine it's enough right but the beauty here is you know, you are exposed to a bit of Japanese, a bit of Thai, a bit of Chinese, a bit of Italian. And, you know, then chefs like Mitch come up, which they start to do this type of fusion of food. I think it's very interesting also understand the technique of other cuisine to apply maybe in the cuisine that you like. Could be the Italian cuisine with Japanese technique. Or that's very good. So chefs should be more excited and more broad and open mind as well and I think that's fantastic because the multiculture that you have here but it's not happening yeah. is it TAFE TAFE was also a really good place to catch up on sleep <laughs> 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 no man I tell you TAFE TAFE it's it's gonna kill the industry if they don't do something about it very quickly it's out of control we don't know where to they know. have like I see a lot of like you've been I saw a photo I think Troy from Muse up in the Hunter yeah. went and did a chef's day at TAFE, yeah. which you've been which you've been doing for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah, and to no, prove no. there was Nara, Nara. Nara. there was a photo of you from probably twenty years ago. Yeah, with your long hair and you know, yeah. looking maybe about two months younger than you do now because you haven't aged at all. But <laughs> you could tell it was a long time ago. But when I went to ride TAFE, which was like the hospitality TAFE to go to or whatever but I never saw anyone from outside come in and do that but I've noticed that that's happening more like guys like you I know um, Josh Nyland's done stuff Hongi's done stuff so I think in some ways people are like there is someone going, we need to do something with TAFE, yeah. whether they have the support oh, we, of the We government. did, Alessandro did that in NARA, yeah. but before, you know who kicked that one off, it was um, Darren Simpson, right. back 10, 11 years ago, but Peter Gilmore did that, yeah. um, Mark Doyle. Best, Peter Doyle, all Christian these other, Manfield. Chris Manfield did that. Like a lot of you know chefs up just at Nara, just at Nara. But yeah. that's yeah. The but what about that's coming the to the local ones? And but there's the teacher. We, and we've and done so much stuff with Ride when we cheetah. Remember in the yeah. beginning, we went to teach the the proper Italian module. We changed some of the recipes that they had. The teachers, yeah. you know, the, the modules were so old. You know, they yeah. had like minestrone and gnocchi. So we we introduced you know a proper pesto, like the basics, because you got to start from the basics. Yep. Because we wanted to tidy up the Italian cuisine module. And we did that. Like, we, we man, anytime they call me to TAFE, because I did TAFE, so I'll, I'll, you know, TAFE gave me a lot, and I'll, I'll give 
back to TAFE anytime, you know. And in Bukval, anytime there has been anything that they call me to, you know, to get involved, I always said yes because it's only fair that you know we give, back. give back. But if TAFE now it, it's dying off, well. What are we going to do? Well, I mean, imagine if at the end of every season of MasterChef or any of the reality TV shows, they were like, if you want to learn how to be an actual chef, go to TAFE. Like, yeah. What? I mean, that because a lot of... Now you go to TAFE, yeah. A, a lot of the reason that, that the TAFE drop-off, and you know, I'm, a, I'm a terrible example of it, is uh, a good example of it, really. Um, uh, cutting out that TAFE and just kind of going like, oh, okay, I, I know vague business, I know what food I like, yeah. and you know, some dickhead can do it on reality TV, why can't I do it? And yeah. just open, just skipping it all and opening up yeah. your own restaurant. Yeah, like I get that that's harmful yeah. in in the big now picture. Now they open restaurant in what, nine six months in this show, you know they they open new restaurant and they go and never even yeah yeah tried before. There was there was one uh, someone called me and said, oh, um, I used to have this young chef and she was with me for about three and a half months and came out of Master Chef and I think you know she was like top ten or something you know not even one of the winners. And spent three and a half months in the kitchen and then said to the chef, Chef, thank you very much. Now I'm ready to open up my own business because I was a master chef. <laughs> and I was three and a half months with you, so say That's all I need. Yeah. I only did two days in, uh, in Mitch's kitchen before I opened my <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and you didn't have master chef training. No, no. No. But where's my restaurant now? <laughs> <laughs> well, where are a lot, a lot of those places now, exactly. Yeah. I mean, these shows they have both faces, like yeah, negative and positive. Negative and positive. I think it's v- they've been very. Yeah, it's positive. not MasterChef's fault. No, they, you know, no. this is up. I mean, MasterChef they, they is brilliant. You know, in some way. I think they help, res- help restaurant a lot. Give awareness to people on uh, how the food is prepared, how difficult it is, and people just go and try more restaurants But on the other side, you know, the chefs want to be head chefs in superstars. Six yeah. yeah. So anyway, what doing, else do you want to know, doing a, like a really traditional cuisine in Australia, like Italian food, do you guys feel the pressure constantly of deciding when you want to evolve or when you want to move? You know, you guys do classic Italian food, but with a modern twist. When, when do you make the decisions to change some of the sort of classic dishes? Because I know Giovanni, you've just uh, got a new head chef. Yeah, yeah. Who's giving a little tweet? Matteo's been here for a while now. Well, yeah, Matteo's been here for about. But three in the history years. of his restaurant, it's quite think, new. You know, like I think it's it's like it's what's happening even in Italy. You know, in Italy, I think the food is some of the traditional dishes and recipes haven't been changed forever, and I don't think anyone even you know bothered with changing them. Some of the more homely recipes, you know, the I'm talking about Sardinia, you know, where some of the things are still being done the same way that they did them, you know. Which is very important too. Yeah, it's important because that's your heritage, you know. But I think restaurant cooking and then home cooking, they're completely different. The the, the Italian food in Italy is evolving. It's getting a lot lighter. The techniques are changing. Um, It's more modern. You know, it's got influences from other cuisines because that's what's happening as well. And you can't stop that. That's evolution. You know, you got to just... You know, an improvement. You improve as well because the food is, you know, better presented. And I think we're doing the same. You know, you got to just evolve and, and, you know, and, and keep up with it in a way because we're so far away from Italy. And I think it's working really well. Yeah. A perfect example of that is, you know, I think we've, we're starting to do that. But Alessandro, I think, is the one that changed yeah. completely what the Italian the perception of Italian cooking in a restaurant, Quickly, don't get yeah. confused with a home, yeah. in a restaurant, 
it's been in Australia for the last 30, 40 years where it was set in a way, everyone was doing the same thing and it was just style. In Italy, yeah. it was a non-existent. So these guys changed that and now slowly it's happening with all the other restaurants you know, yeah, that they're I w- opening I up. I would say that like Ali's the one knocking the door down yeah. and you've been like quietly evolving. Yeah. You know, you, Ali's like banging the door down saying this is what we can do yeah. and pushing it out there yeah. and really like pushing the cuisine forward and Pilu over the years has just very subtly evolved. Even the yeah. classic dishes you do, yeah. like the suckling pig, there's always little subtle evolutions yeah. that bring in new The garnishes are different, the presentations, you know? because it is restaurant cooking, like I said, yeah. and you got to do it. And then also, that comes down to, there is a lot into what you do in a restaurant. You know, it's your style, it's your service, it's your presentation. So everyone, not, not, not all the restaurants have to be exactly the same, you know. Like, yeah, no, do you know what I mean? But by that, you know, like, Ali is very relevant and the chefs that have come out of Alessandro's kitchen like Federico now has Lume and what Victor's doing at Omeggio. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, you know, that's the pushing the cuisine forward and pushing everybody else forward who has a relationship to Italian food. But by evolving sort of slowly behind that without making a big song and dance about it, I think Pillu's as relevant as it's ever been Mm. as well and it's as current and up to date so there's two ways to do it and you can still maintain for for us I mean we start like that yeah from the gate so Pillu was uh, already seven years open when I opened Imagine the thing is mm, very important I don't want like the young chefs to to get confused to start a restaurant Doing modern Italian. No, you can't. You couldn't so do you what you were doing. When yeah. you know fucking well how to do traditional Italian exactly. food, but exactly. I want to eat it and I want to tell you, fuck, this is good. Yeah. You right. Then you start to manipulate because you know the flavor and the technique that the tradition. The and then you can apply modern technique, new texture. But don't start. Okay, now I'm doing modern Italian. No. You gotta have the basis. Yeah. You, you can't, know, you can't like push it forward if you don't understand the, the past. you got to have the foundation. You can't run if you can't walk exactly. or crawl first. You know, that's, so that's it. Giovanni that had many, many years of experience, have wonderful traditional Italian cuisine, and now it's evolving. It's been evolving for the last few years. I started cooking when I was in Italy, and I was doing that there, and then I came here and I, and I started here. Uh, the Why thing it? is, the important thing is to have Why the bases. Do the young guys in your kitchen still get the opportunity to learn the classics and then manipulate, as you were saying? Like, yeah. is it, so like my you can still train them you, that way? You explain the, the yeah. origin through. Look, we have a core team of three or four people, which we decide and we design the dishes. We have Victor, which is an amazing chef, probably one of the most amazing chefs that Australia have. With the techniques, I don't know anyone else can apply technique like he does. He learned in Spain. He worked in restaurant in Italy as well. And having him, me and Gianmarco, me and Gianmarco know very well the traditional food. We create the dish, we apply, and the chef start with that. Okay. The other restaurant we have, Via Alta and Chiosco, they are traditional Italian restaurants. Mm-hmm. So if I want to grow a chef from A to Z, I may do one year in one of the other restaurants, learn traditional food, then move it on here, see how we apply modern techniques to the traditional food and then he can go but that's two or three years of work 
but not six months. Yeah. When um when you guys are in Italy, like you were recently, um, are you when you go out to dinner, are yeah. you looking to have something traditional or are you looking to have something that kind of pushes it forward? Like I saying? went. I tell you what, we had we had lots of freaking cheese. That's for sure. <laughs> Especially when we went to Alessandro's Look, place. I think, amazing. you know, we all like, everyone in the world like comfort food. Either is Italian, Japanese, Chinese, whatever. So the traditional Italian food is comfort. And you can have that in the daily basis. Mm-hmm. But also, I went to two or three restaurants, high-level Michelin restaurants, which they do more than food like Bottura, like Lido Tanta Quattro and so on, to see what they do. More like to learn an experience and to sh- and I was blown away as well. But in a daily basis, we eat traditional. So yeah, 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 absolutely what? love it. Yeah. Is is there anything that because you know we have a pretty good Italian scene in Sydney? Yeah. Um, is are there any dishes that you can't get in Sydney that you would love to be able to get somewhere that you not you won't necessarily cook or, or ingredients? Ingredients for yeah. sure. Ingredients, and yeah. uh, we're talking about salumi, yeah, but right. without a doubt. Salumi, like... Unpasteurized cheeses. Unpasteurized cheeses and salumi that you cannot have here. Unpasteurized cheeses, I think that's still... I don't get that, how we can't bring them in. I can't see the reason, because... Because you know, someone sits in office and has no idea. And no, no idea. Them. We're missing out in so many great cheeses. You need, to, you need to figure out who this guy is, take him over there, cram yeah. him full of it, and then go... Can we take him, him back to eat, eat bagos like I had, you know, that... But I think it's also a good challenge... For example, Italian food is, we call it a kilometer zero, which is, you know, Italian food is based in what you can get around you. Mm. So we are here in Sina, there's great products. We develop our Italian cuisine with the products of Australia and mostly New South Wales. That's what it is. You know, in Italy, you know, there is great products, a lot of products better than here. A lot of other products are better than here than there. So it's up to the chef to be clever and work what you have... Uh, What's best where you are? What's the ratio of uh, import to local that you're using for ingredients? I, I import as less as I can, maybe 10%, but mm-hmm. mainly dry stuff like the rice. Mm-hmm. You know, in, Istra- in Australia, is a minimal, there is no rice because there's not enough fresh water. And some uh, uh, produce like from southern Italy, like uh, uh, fish sauce, colatura da lici, or some Sicilian tuna anchovies, stuff like that you don't get here. Everything else fresh, all here. Mm-hmm. And the cheeses, I try to have 50-50. Mm-hmm. I think it's still a lack of quality in, uh, in, uh, in, in a lot of Australian cheeses, but there is a very good one, so maybe I use... You know, two cheeses from Australia, two from Italy. Mm-hmm. But I try my best to use, you know, and to push the growers and uh, and the suppliers from here to develop the the products yeah. even more and more. No? The, the least as possible from Italy, to be honest. And probably the mo- the biggest component of our restaurant in general of Italian um, imported things is the wines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously. Being an Italian restaurant, we have to, you know, have at least 70 or 80% of our list to be Italian um, because it's the whole experience that then you have. Other than that, we're importing, you know, minimal things. And I think evidence of that is uh, the way you've uh, made Bataga yeah, in yeah. Australia. And, and thank God you well, did because it's, one of, the, it's yeah. one of the best it's products. Story that was, yeah, that tell was, the story. Tell the story. That was the biggest, the biggest yeah. turnaround where Bataga, well, I always believed that the best Bataga 
It was always the Sardinian Botarga, and I never ever would have compromised in you know using anything but Sardinian, made in Sardinia from Sardinian Malle Raw, yeah. until I discovered that the raw that they used to make Sardinia Motarga was actually Australian raw, <laughs> <laughs> which was really crazy. Yep. Very casually, one day I find out about that. So now we make. When you in Motarga. the markets in Sardinia? Yeah, I was in. I was traveling. I did. I was doing one of the cooking tours, and I was. Uh, traveling around um, walking around the markets in Cagliari and there is Botarga everywhere I'm talking about because they call it the gold of Sardinia so it looks like literally gold on the benches and I was I was telling everyone you know look at this you know the big one the small one you know and then this guy picks up our um, the Australian accent and he calls us back and he goes oh Australiani come back come back so we went back and he said oh I go to Australia every year you know and I said oh yeah what do you do because I'll go and buy, uh, buy uh, mallet roll <laughs> from Queensland. <laughs> I went, what the? That's crazy. And I'm looking around, everyone is looking at me going, isn't this Sardinian Botarga? Well, it is done in a Sardinian way, which is, you know, the, the technique is very easy. Just salt it and then rinse it and then pack it. So there is not, not much into it. But the quality of the roll to produce good Botarga, you know, Australia's got brilliant Raw at the point that Sardinians are buying it now because and look and I can see why because the demand is so high that there is no way the Sardinia produces enough raw to supply first of all the local demand and then the export market which is massive it's the export is five times more than what Sardinians eat or more wow. you know so he, the guy said look I'll be lying if I say this is all Sardinian Malle raw because we don't have enough there's yeah. no way you know so now you set up a so now we set up it's not Look, it's not a big setup. Um, you know, we just um, I, Salumi Australia have got a spare cool room right. for us that you know we go up and when the mallet is in season, which is uh, March, April, May, June, July, like three four months, and then um, we make the botarga and then they store it for us because they have a cool room that produces humidity because you need forty percent humidity and sixty percent um, dry cold, and then they have the you know the facility to do that. So we salt it. Um, rinse it and then hair dry it for a week and then pack it and that's it so we're doing that for the moment but yeah. you know I hope that eventually I can do that myself yeah, yeah. and is that for yourself or are you supplying other people for me no, too I'm actually for me supplying too. <laughs> supplying <laughs> these, these boys as well but Melbourne is starting to actually um, um, use quite a lot you know I just sent 60 kilos two weeks ago and now they're asking for another 30 kilos yeah. um, so I think that's my, my, quite a few people are using it. Tatsuya started using some. Um, Who else is using? Ross from the Bridge Room has yeah. put a dish with it. So it's slowly, you know. Yeah. It's funny because you get a lot of suppliers, Italian suppliers and other suppliers. Oh, I've got the best Potaga. You've got to try this Potaga. And it, you try it and it's never fucking as good as Giovanni's. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is the best. Good. It's never. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's yeah. never as good, yeah. and it, it is it, 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 again. It's an, another you know Australian product, which yeah, man, what a wild know, story. So yeah. yeah, I just love that he was in Italy, <laughs> and someone from Italy was like, "No, we use Australian." That's like, amazing. Yeah, if, if, if it was a movie, the camera would have zoomed in on your oh, face, oh, and then you would, the next scene would just be you not talking and just like realizing. I didn't know like, what to say. <laughs> I was so freaking. Pr- it's, you know, it would be like going to Parma and going through the Parmesan cheese factories That's and go, "Oh, this is Parmigiano Reggiano," and then someone said, "Oh yeah, but we get the milk from Tasmania." Yeah. Or something. There's a really similar story with Neil Perry. 
and he was in the Skiji markets of Japan. So he was in Tokyo, and he was walking through the markets, and he was going, look at this amazing fish. This is amazing. Uh, the fish we get in Australia is bullshit. We don't get anything like this. And he grabbed the guy, and he's like, where's this fish from? And he went, Mark Ether from Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the moment that Neil Perry started looking for Mark yeah. Ether's fish and using yeah. it, but he looked exactly. like such a dick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny, though, because... Neil had to go and find Mark, whereas Gio went, dollar signs, dollar yeah, signs, yeah, dollar yeah. signs, dollar <laughs> signs. Was nah, like, I'm going to do this myself. What drove me, I think, was also to have, you know, just another Australian product, you know, which... Oh, like yeah. what you said earlier about, you know, the, you know, using Italian food is all about using what's local to you. and you. Just that's very much yeah. so. That's what, that's what Italian food is all about. Local seasonal produce, no matter where you are in the world, you can cook good Italian food. Yeah, so. So uh, we've, got, we've got summer coming up, and I know that I've given the view that you have at Pilu. Summer is definitely when, when Pilu shines. Yeah. Um, what have you got? Have you got anything interesting happening over summer on the menu? Um, on the- yeah, no, we, the menu changes constantly. Um, we're looking forward to summer for a couple of reasons. One, because, you know, obviously you get so much busier, and then two, we can pay all the debts that accumulated in winter. <laughs> um, summer for us is the bulk of the work. Um, you know, we do lots of functions and, um, yeah, I think, you know, that's what we, um, we look forward to. It is in a way a bit like Sardinia, you know, it's a bit seasonal, uh, the kind of work that we do. So, um, some it's, yeah, we're waiting for it. Hopefully we can find enough chefs to support it though, because <laughs> that has been, you know, the biggest freaking trouble at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, if you, are, if you are thinking about becoming a chef, you should definitely apply here. But come, yeah, come oh, and yeah. work for Pillow yeah, for yeah, Alessandro. Alessandro. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. great guys, great teachers. And Thanks they'll continue to support you through your whole career. Uh, 100%. If right. they'll support Mitch, they they'll will support, support anyone. anyone. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like when we opened Duke, Gio was a massive, massive help. And the connections that Giovanni helped me make at that time, we used to open Acme and all of that and... It, both of these guys, I can call them but anytime the, and ask them anything. When I did Ormeggio, if it wasn't for Giovanni, yeah. uh, first, no, I wouldn't do the Ormeggio because I was set to be executive chef uh, Grand Hyatt Hong Kong right. with a contract in my hands. And Giovanni told me, what the fuck are you doing? Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, don't you love surfing? Yes. What about the sun? Yes. And the, wa- and the weather? Yes. So why the fuck are you going to <laughs> So yeah, there was enough to change his mind. <laughs> Three heart attacks later, yeah, Alessandro's yeah. like, "Fucking Giovanni should have let me go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes I do. Sometimes you go, I wish I was in Hong Kong. Now. I definitely think that Pillar should be at the top of your list if you are listening from outside of Sydney and coming here, like and especially o- and Omega as well. Omega is beautiful yeah, on yeah. the on the water and. Yeah, so I think Omeja um, gets whales out the front. What, what we don't what we don't get that Omeja gets apart from the great food, I think some of the sunsets that I that I've, I've been to Kiosko a few times, like in summer, it's just spectacular because you're sitting off at that side, you know, of yeah, you the, the speed. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. This is, this is, you know, this is actually the restaurant that my uh, dad took my mum to on their first date. Oh yeah, yeah. Way back when. Way back when, yeah. Before yeah. It right. was Pillow. Yeah, yeah. Before it was Pillow, yeah, yeah the oh, same wow. site. Yeah, so they, oh. they they come back once a year on their anniversary. Oh, for the oh, anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you tell them to, um, you know, let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure thing. When did we come with your parents? Uh, was that for a birthday? For or my birthday a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. taking me here for a birthday. And it's such the a, last. It's a, it, it was the last time we came. We speaking of Duke, we had our Christmas party for Duke <laughs> at Pillow and. 
Had you never been before? No, I had been. been Mikey had been once and he was so excited we were coming. And then the night before, he went out and got absolutely fucking bollocked. <laughs> and showed up, like, hadn't been home, hadn't slept. Yeah. Was, like, we had to wait for him to show up at Duke before we all came here. He showed up, like, 45 minutes late. <laughs> and then we got here and he didn't eat a fucking thing. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I sat, two, I'd sat two seats down. I looked greener than the glassware. And the food no. looked amazing. I couldn't drink anything. I had to pay my brother $200 to come and pick me up because I just needed to get out. We were meant to be taking a van. I see, he took the money too, the little bastard. But, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. But yeah, if, if you are, you know, if, if if you haven't been to Pillow yet, make sure it should be at the top of your list when you're in Sydney because it is just such a great sure thing, iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alessandro and Giovanni, thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks, boys. Oh, it's pleasure. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. That was a really great. Yeah. Giovanni's yeah, going to nice pretend one. to go in the kitchen and do some prep. But he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's on just, the roster. He's today. just going to get in the way of it. I'm on the roster. I'm on a double. Um, <laughs> are you guys? Uh, do you want to plug any social media stuff on your Twitter and Instagram? Any events? Anything you want? You'll get literally thousands of followers. <laughs> Giovanni is G Pillu. On Instagram? Yeah. yeah. Ali, what are you on Instagram? You've got like four Alex Pavone. Alex Pavone. Any events you guys want or to talk about? Or at uh, Pilu Restaurant. Pilu Restaurant. Because yeah. it's... Yeah. Just come to the restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, there, we're ready. Support. We're ready for summer. Yeah. And yeah. Pierce, if you're listening, go and work for Alessandro because you yeah. want to learn yes. about Italian. Learn some yeah, go exactly. there. Well, yeah. And, and if there's any ever, ever a better incentive to, to send us an email, the whole reason that, that this episode happened was because someone wrote into us and, and said... Uh, hey, why do you always rag on 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 risotto? Is it because it sucks or because people don't make it properly? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you got you got half an episode dedicated to your to your question. So if anyone has a burning question about food in Sydney that they want to know more about, um, please send us an email themitchinpodcast at gmail dot com or you can hit us up on Facebook facebook dot com slash themitchin. Um, leave us a review on iTunes if you like this episode and want us to do more rest, uh, restaurant location episodes. Uh, you can follow Mitch on Instagram. It's in Instacril. Mike is Pinbone. I am Lev Dog. Thank you so much for listening to the Mitch. And thanks again to Giovanni and Alessandro for having us. Thank you Ciao. Very much Ciao. Ciao. It's the Mitch and Podcast.